You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hi guys, quick one before we get into the episode. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster, which is the production suite that I've used from the very beginning of this podcast. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, hang around at the end of the episode for our 30% discount referral code. Thanks. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? Are these your notes about what we're going to say? Anything is a short answer. (laughs) So how many novels did you not finish? Oh my God, so many. (laughs) It was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. (laughs) This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. (laughs) You better hear first. Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. Today, I have two guests returning to the show. They both originally came on back when their debut novels were releasing. And um, a year and a bit later, both gearing up for the launch of their second books. So it's two of my favorite YA superstars, Melissa Welliver and Naomi Gibson. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. And Melba. Okay. Let's start with let's start with Naomi. She seems more eager anyway. Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Game Over Girl, your second book coming out with Chicken House on the fifth yes. of January. What's yes. it all about? Uh, so it's another YA psychological thriller. Um, and I've kept my techie edge. So my last book was about AI. This one is about VR and VR gaming. And it's about a girl with a dark secret. And she plays this VR game and her secret manifests inside her game. Um, it's probably the darkest thing I've written. Um, mm. I hope that mm. everyone likes it. <laughs> and if you see the twist coming, I will eat my hat. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought every line of you was pretty dark. So this is... Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You ain't it's seen cool nothing that... yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool that you have like your, very much your your niche, your your kind of area that you, you sit in with this sort of technological speculative thriller stuff. Would you yeah. ever do anything different from that? Or you kind of, you like that area of exploration? Uh, I, I do like that area. Like, I, I think there's like a real relationship between humans and technology and I love exploring it. Um, I think everything I write has probably got something to do with that. But um, I have written some more heavily sci-fi stuff, um, which like I feel pretty drawn to as a genre. Um, the, first, I, the very first book I wrote was fantasy, um, but we don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> and, um, I've had another idea for a fantasy book, um, but... But yeah, probably I'm probably always drawn to um, humans and technology and how they relate to each other. So yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. So I think the theme of this episode is very much going to be you've both got your second books coming out. With this new one, was it a very different experience from when you wrote Every Line of You? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think that's a shock. I'm sure it's the same for you, Mama. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, book two was hard. <laughs> um, because, <laughs> like with every line of you, I wrote it um, and polished it, but like three years before it got um, an agent and a publisher and then, you know, you polish it even more. So it's just mm-hmm. like kind of more of a labor of love. And then you're like, oh, crap, I've got a deadline in a year. I have to like produce this whole other thing and do it all over again. Um, and the way I did this one was I was like, okay, so what am I interested in? And I was like, I do want to write about VR. VR is cool. So I thought about this um, this girl and I was like, I, I'd, I'd love to write an unreliable narrator. I mean, my first book, that was she was kind of unreliable. She was making some interesting choices. But um, this one, um, my main character in this book has like a gap in her memory and, and she tries to she tries to tell herself every night what, what she thinks happened and it's like, did that actually happen or not? And she explores it through this VR game. Um, and so, yeah, I, I came up with this little synopsis that I sent my editor and I said, this is what I think I want to write about. And she was like, yes, write it, write it now. So um, I, ba- I wrote it based on this synopsis and I am a pantser or discovery writer and I found writing a book from a synopsis so difficult and I can see you laughing Melba because I know that that, like a synopsis is nothing for you (laughs) Um, but I found that really really hard and really really Mm. constrictive Um, even though I knew that that was the book I wanted to write I felt like because I had written it in a synopsis and because I had boiled it down to these two paragraphs um you know, it was a really clear. I just I was looking back at it and I was like, oh, actually, that was quite a good pitch. <laughs> it's got like a really clear beginning, middle and end. It's got stakes. It's got the main character. It's got mystery. And it's got a hint that there's like some some twist going to come. And um, that's, I, that's why I need to do that for my next book. <laughs> so I was looking back at it. But um, yeah, um, I found it really, really hard to write a book based on a synopsis. It's, um, yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. So you you did write the whole thing off that synopsis in the end, right? You didn't sort of put it to one side and then discover it. No, I I did stick to my synopsis because, um, like I said, it it was pretty good in the sense that um, <laughs> it had it had that it told me what was going to happen basically. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so I know what's going to happen. I'm just trying to write towards each each point that I can see. Um, but um, yeah, I still found that quite creatively constricting. Cons- yeah constrictive is that the word yeah um restrictive yeah. restrictive thank you that's the word <laughs> it's right, okay i have an editor guys. now <laughs> <laughs> so would you i know you're working on some new stuff now would you write it from synopsis or do you, would you rather just discover the whole thing i i think i find discovering the whole thing a lot more freeing and more exciting mm. and um like the other day I was like, I don't know what's going to happen today. Maybe someone's going to get stabbed and, and like someone got stabbed and I was like writing this like whole scene and I was really into it. And um, yeah, you can't, I don't know. Maybe you can do that if you plot it, but it's not as much of a surprise. You're not, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, just me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's more like an energy thing for you. Like if you know so. what's going to happen, it's not as exciting for you to write. Yeah, it's kind of like you want to discover it along with the reader almost. You know, like when you're reading a book, yeah. Like you probably know where it's going to end up, but it's like exciting to find out for the first time. I think I want to do that as I write them as well. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the journey is the destination sort of comes to mind. Yeah, that, but... that's cool. That fits. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I've discovered this new phrase just now. <laughs> yeah, I'm discovering a lot today. <laughs> but realistically, in terms of like the industry and Chicken House, like you had, a, this is a, it was a two book deal with Chicken House. 
is it realistic for you to say to them, here's the start point and I'm going to discover this book? Or like, does it require that you have to have had the synopsis for them? Um, so it, that probably depends on your publisher, really. Um, and yeah. What kind of relationship you've got with your editor, I guess. Um, because my, I had a two book deal and I've now written my two books, um, I have to pitch for a, a, another contract. Um, yeah. And I can either pitch ideas I haven't written or I can pitch ideas I have written. So it's a bit uh, of a race to write the book first and then pitch it afterwards, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's probably how I would prefer to do it because then I know that. Um, I'm, I probably I probably enjoy it more. Like mm. I've so I've written nine books, um, and I'm writing my tenth now. And I had no idea what my tenth was about um, before I sat down. Really, I just knew that um, there were some kids living on a military compound, and I was like, "Let's go find out why they're there." <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay. I think that that's the way it works for me. So yeah, it's a bit of a game to write the book first that excites you, mm. and then pitch it after. And if they like it, then that that works out well. But if not, I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess it's it's tricky because if you if you were someone that wrote from plan, like it's easier to it's very it's kind of quicker to come up with pitches than it is to mm-hmm. write half a book and then be like, here's one pitch, and then yeah. and then it's like, oh, maybe not that one. So you have to write another sort of like several. I, I imagine you you could probably know ten thousand words or something if it's going to be a really kind of energizing book for you. Yeah, I think so. I think that's um, a good a good point where you can tell, like, yes, I can finish this book. No, I can't finish it. I don't know where it's going to go. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I'd already written, I'm on 20k of the thing I'm writing now. And I think I knew at about five that I was like, yeah, I'm going to finish this. But that's not always the case. Um, yeah. I started things and not finished them, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Malva. That's probably giving me a twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying anything. Okay, well, let's, let's move on to Melissa now. Because uh, before you get hives from listening to how Naomi wrote the book, uh, yeah. <laughs> your second book, My mm-hmm. Love Life and the Apocalypse, out yeah. April 13th, yeah. hit us with the pitch. Wow. Uh, it is a post apocalyptic rom com road trip. Um, and uh, it's being pitched as for fans of Adam Silvera and it's about an android teen boy um, and his love story with the last teen girl on earth if you like so it's like last people on earth are they the only ones there lots of mystery and definitely like a romance forefront and it's like a near future type thing set 200 years in the future okay so not a sequel to the undying tower but (laughs) What do you mean? <laughs> maybe, maybe it is a secret. <laughs> Can you confirm whether they exist in the same universe? <laughs> I always want to do that, but everything I write ends up being near future. And if they all exist in the same universe, I would have to change the rules of physics like several times. <laughs> I always think this. Um, so, I mean, they might exist in the same universe, although no, they're two completely different apocalypses. Okay, if you can okay. argue that the Undying Tower has an apocalypse. But still dystopian post-apocalyptic. Um, yeah energy yes still in that sort of future but not too distant future yeah end of the world everything's changed type of vibe going on so i know you you posted a bit about this online but what Mm -hmm. what's happening with the undying tower which because that's in theory a trilogy Yes. So the reason this is my second book is this actually is a standalone and it went on submission after The Undying Tower had been on submission for about 10 months and we just Ah. 
did not think it was going to shift. Um, and then it did shift to a small publisher and that was great. But sadly, Agora's had to close its doors to new publications, which means the second and third book wouldn't come out with them. So they very kindly helped me transition that to self-publish. And now I need to do books two and three on my own, which means I need more time because it's costly. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people started looking at self-publishing now and I won't go into that, all the details mm. about self-publishing, but it does it costs money to produce a book, guys. Who knew? <laughs> uh, it's really expensive. So I'm just raising the funds for that, hoping for next year, fingers massively crossed. But if you sign up to my newsletter on my website, I keep everyone involved with what's going on with that. So yes, this is not the sequel, but don't... Don't worry, the trilogy will still happen in some form in the future. I'm just working on it. It's fine. <laughs> we'll see. TBC, but it is, it is coming <laughs> at some point. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to hit you with the, the same sort of question that I, that I asked Naomi. Mm-hmm. Fans of the show will know that you are um, an intense planner. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but in terms of, you know, the, the sort of process, the regime that you approach writing a book, uh, was it very different writing this new one uh, versus The Undying Tower? Um, yes, because The Undying Tower was the first, even though it wasn't the book I got a agent with and I'd written books since, it was the first book I ever completed and I did pants it. Uh-huh. And it was a nightmare to redo. I had spent years working on it and years <laughs> polishing it, like Naomi was talking about. And um, I didn't want to do that basically ever again. Um, in the same <laughs> way, I would argue Naomi technically plots because she's just doing it in her head before writing it down. I technically pants. It's just my pants is my at 20K outline. So that's me like <laughs> that's writing the so first the draft and having fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. That is the first draft because it's so long. It's basically a draft. It tells you exactly everything that's happening. Mm. And then I go back and add all like the fun sprinkles and icing and stuff as I actually write it into a proper draft. Um, So yeah, this was really, really different, but not different from writing other books I've written in between this one and The Undying Tower, because there were other books in between, a couple of middle grade, like time travel ones, which again, we will not speak of. We do not speak (laughs) about it. Um, So it's not that different to how I write now, but it is different to how I wrote The Undying Tower, yes. Uh, Okay. So you're you're saying that that there's a similarity between discovery writing and, and planning it you you discover your first draft but it's yeah. in the form of bullet points and notes yeah yeah basically, basically. yeah so I'm like <laughs> I, I spend all this time it's my daydreaming phase I will spend seven eight months doing that like wow. writing stuff on bits of notes sticking them up do what you know when people say oh I use notes to move around the scenes I'm doing that technically it's just it's all part of my pl- planning there's no prose going on there's no like mm. nice sentences. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. once all that's down, it's really, really fun for me to then go in and fill in the gaps because it feels like I'm writing fan fiction for myself. That's how I always describe <laughs> it. Really fun. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot about this really fun scene that I thought of three months ago. I'm now going to like write down this really like epic love scene or something. I love doing it. Uh, okay. That's cool yeah. because yeah, the, the big difference really does seem it's it's in the energy with which you write. So yeah. Naomi mm-hmm. obviously gets amped up by sort of figuring out as she's writing like oh what's the choice the character is going to make here doesn't know in advance necessarily mm-hmm. whereas you like writing your own fan fiction <laughs> yeah yeah i just hate editing if i'm being totally honest so i just want to write like a really clear like first draft so i have like a zero draft where i plot basically and then they have a first draft which of course is perfect because i have written it so no it's not perfect, yeah, perfect. Right. <laughs> because that but then that's claiming that your plan isn't your first draft yeah yeah so i'd always call it a zero draft anyway i don't know if naomi uses the terminology zero draft but i know a lot of people use zero draft which is where they are basically just discovering Mm -hmm. and it's not even like first draft 
kind mm-hmm. of thing. I saw that um, Kezia Lupo, who's both of mine and Naomi's editor at Chicken House, she retweeted something the other day about somebody had said, oh, I found out from my friends who pants that they throw away 90% of their word count from the first draft, which, <laughs> yeah, did feel like quite spicy. Um, As a panther, and, and she said, yeah. That's, that's not the case for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's that's pretty spicy. I feel like that's yeah. quite... 90% that's a lot. <laughs> does feel like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be 50,000 words around if you're writing yeah. YA adult. That's horrifying. <laughs> I can't think about that right now. I'm drafting. <laughs> no. I'm trying to finish a book right now, guys. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has to go. It's no. not the pep talk I need. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's... Let's let's get into the specifics then, because you're both very different in terms of kind of the way you you approach it. Uh, Naomi, have you ever tried other than like the synopsis, which I would say is and light planning at best? Yeah. Have you ever tried <laughs> yeah. to actually like uh, map out or plan a, a novel? I have. I had a spreadsheet and everything, and I knew what was um, going to happen in each chapter and. I wrote the plan and did I write the book? No, I did not because <laughs> I knew what was going to happen. It was boring. I didn't want to write it. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a whole plan for a book I never, I've never written because well, what's the point? I don't know. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> when do you... The, one of the big things that, that I hear about discovery writing um or, or gardening i think gardening writing i think george rr R. martin calls it uh yeah. and, and brandon sanson talks about the two different disciplines of it is that you sometimes are surprised by the choices your characters make and i know that, i know that makes authors sound slightly insane but do you ever find that naomi when you when you're writing a chapter as a like kind of pure discovery writer that that you think something's going to end a certain way, but then as you're writing it, you say, no, actually that character wouldn't do that. This is the choice they would make. Yes, there's something I already know I need to go back and rewrite in the book that I'm writing. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like, oh, they wouldn't do that. But um, yeah, so I realised, so for the thing that I'm writing at the moment, for example, I realised that actually my two characters... Um, want very different things and it struck me like two days ago I was like well I should probably split them up then because they're not they're neither of them going to follow the other so let's split them up <laughs> so um this is horrifying isn't it Mara? I can see you like twitching <laughs> <laughs> to continue it's fine um, so yeah so I'm at the point now where like one of my characters has left the other whilst they're asleep and it's like um they're just roaming around roaming around on a coach trying to find their way to somewhere they don't know how to get to and like um that surprised me because um but then it also makes sense mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't expecting it but then because I thought oh it's going to be like this sort of romance thing where they stay together and they're always together and blah 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 but um it makes sense that the two people always put up if they don't want the same thing and so yeah you just got to follow it and if it doesn't work out rewrite it later <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I don't know <laughs> Just rewrite it later. Yeah, that's, that's what draft two is for, you know. <laughs> but Melissa, d- is that ever something that you like have to deal with when you've when you've mapped everything out, sort of to 
the within a hundred words or so. Mm-hmm. Do you iron that out before you even get to like draft one, where it's where where you've kind of gone through it so many times that you say, "Oh no, this isn't in character for this person to make that decision." Yeah, that never happens to me, ever. <laughs> I'm a control freak. I'm one of those people that if I'm measuring out pasta for my dinner and like one piece of pasta goes over and it goes like three grams over, I have to take out the pasta. And if it goes under, snap the pasta. So it's exactly like a hundred grams. That is the sort of person I am. I'm in control of everything all the time. I'm a complete weirdo. Um, So yeah, I'm a control freak. So I have to control enthusiast, I prefer. Um, So everyone does exactly what I say all the time. It's great. When I was younger, I wanted to be a film director and it's because I could just tell everyone what to do all the time and be in control of the whole thing and then found out that if you write a book you can have whichever actors you want and whatever budget you want and still be in control and that was like (laughs) this is the dream why would I do this any other way so no I'm in control the whole time Um, and also my characters lead for me I write write out a what if scenario when I'm very very starting and then Mm. write out what my character wants and what my character needs and then every single plot point is designed specifically by the character want or need so they're always doing exactly what I know they would do because there is no, I don't do any other characterization. I don't know what they look like. I don't know like their favorite color or anything like that. I just do that. And then that leads to the entire plot. So the plot is character driven the whole time. So therefore the plot never falters away from me because the plot is decided by the characters I've designed. It is my design. <laughs> Perfection. <laughs> so when you actually come to write it, like it's, it is very like, you know exactly what's going to happen when it's going to happen and you are almost sort of filling in the blanks at a certain point. Yeah. So I always sit on it a bit between plotting it and then writing it. And -hmm. what's quite nice is I can just open it and it will say like, write 2,100 words of a car chase between these two characters and it has to end at this point. (laughs) So I'm like, awesome. So to me, it's like a little quiz and I make my (laughs) own fun and my own games, like all good only children. And I just fill it all out and it's really fun. And then I give myself a little tick at the end, which is nice. I tick it off my list, get a little tick, maybe a gold star if I remember to buy stickers. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's nice that you find your own challenges and like check marks for that. (laughs) I create challenges for myself because I plan it out so well, there would be no challenges otherwise. So. <laughs> Do you find um, twists that you you plan the twist out or does yeah. the twist just happen for you? You do, yeah. Okay, no, nope, it's planned out. But it, I suppose it technically <laughs> happens when I'm planning it. So I might spend three or four months planning a twist. Then once I've got it, I nail it. Uh, Like, right, it is going there. It's going to be in chapter 23. That is when the twist happens. And I need to make sure I lead up to that. And that helps me fill in middle bits, like Mm -hmm. saggy middles. Whereas it's like 25,000 words of mine is like fun and games section of like a save the cat three art structure, which is difficult if you don't know exactly when you're very early on. So then as soon as I nail that twist down, but it will take me three or four months to think of that twist. And I'll be thinking of everything else around it. And I'm a bit of a nightmare in those few months when I'm thinking about <laughs> they're not very really, like sociable very good I would think of stuff when I'm out and just leave because I'm like well I've just thought the thing I wanted so I'm going to leave now because I don't need to be social anymore um I got what I needed from these people I am an android so it's fine so I just plan it all out um but yeah so I do technically think about it for a really long time I just don't write it and then be thinking about it as I'm like coming up to it and then think of it and write the twist I prefer to have it all in my head in advance over several months of thinking mm-hmm. mm. you don't it doesn't become prose until it's been no. like drilled down to yeah. like the exact thing that's going to be everything in its right place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. So I guess, you know, in many ways, you're right when you say it, 
it's like it's more like an approach to doing it but like you you are you pants when you're planning yeah that's when the fun is and then i control the fun you've got to control the fun (laughs) (laughs) you're having fun wrong (laughs) (laughs) doing it wrong (laughs) you're the the moniker of writing (laughs) (laughs) and then conversely it's like uh i always i always think of pantsing discovery writing as you are still planning it's just that your plan is your you just write it out in prose as your first draft yeah i think so so yeah i mean it's 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 really about the order in which you do things and the way that you like to kind of pay stuff and also how much you dislike or like editing yeah i hate editing so (laughs) do you think see i i think editing sorry i interrupted you there no go ahead Um, (laughs) (laughs) um i think um editing for me i prefer because that's when i know that i'll smooth out all the weird crap that i put Uh, in see i have that in first draft I'm like, yeah. I'm going to smooth this out because I'm now going to write it all out and develop the relationships yeah. and stuff. So it's like I'm writing, I feel like I'm not writing first draft when I'm writing first draft. So you you did pants Undying Tower and it sounds yeah. like it scarred you for life. Yeah. It was also <laughs> the first thing you'd ever written. So yeah. since then, as a writer, just through like practice and learning, you, you, you know, you'll be much more accomplished at the craft. Do you think... I know you won't because it horrifies you. But do you think if you ever did discover some writing again, that it would actually be a lot better and much more fluid than than when you first did Undying Tower? Um, I just find it, uh, I don't know. I just find it takes me too long and I, I know I'll keep going over stuff. So I, I'm not even sure if I'd be able to do it. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I'd be able to. Just having a panic attack. I know. <laughs> I'm even thinking about it. I don't, just don't think I could do it. I think um, when, because I I like to write really, really fast, right? So I like to have mm. a really like particular voice. I, I hate saying strong voice. It sounds like I'm so good at writing. I have a really strong voice. Um, but I like to like pick a strong voice. And then when I'm in that voice, I really cannot read or watch TV or anything yeah. else because it'll take me out yeah. of it. So then I need to write as quickly as possible. And the way to not get stuck and sit down at my computer would be like, oh God, I don't know what's coming next, actually. I can't write in this half hour I've carved out for myself is that I do know what's going to happen next because it's all plotted out. So I just don't think I could do it or it would take me years and years to do. I really don't. I think I've now become so far the other way, I wouldn't be very good at discovery writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's pretty funny. <laughs> I know what you mean though, because as someone who sits, I think I sit sort of, if it's a spectrum with those two at either end, I sit actually kind of in the middle, but I think I lean towards discovery. So I do, I map mm. out, the story and I know like all of the major points where it starts where it ends but then I'm discovering bits in between and it, I do often I don't know if you get this as well Naomi but sometimes you'll go to write and because you're discovering it you're like actually I don't know what I'm writing in this book and then it's really hard to like get that going sometimes if if that happens to me um and it has happened I'm not going to sit here and no punting is the dream um if that happens to me that is at the point i get the save the cat out and Mm -hmm. have a look and start thinking about what beat do i need to hit um and if i can just think about what naturally in a story what kind of beat would come after what i've already written then um i don't need to really know what it is i can just work towards it and then you go back and you edit out those bits that it took you to get to that beat do you know what I mean yeah yeah it's about finding ways to sort of 
get going again, right? Because I feel, I don't know if you guys find this, but whenever you have like a pause or something like that, it's just about sort of soldiering on. And then it, I find that I get it back quite quickly. Once I start writing, it's yeah. like, oh, this is what I was supposed to be doing all along. Yeah. 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 And f- sometimes as well, if I'm really unsure what to do next, I will bring in a character, a background character, and often that background character will want something completely different to my main character and you just have this little scene where that background character messes with them for a little bit (laughs) um, and and pushes your main character to do something um, and that is generally what gets me back on track. Yeah, that works so so well as well. I was talking about this with uh, previously on the podcast as well when you told me about that technique that you do. (laughs) Just bring in a side character to mess with the main character. Because if you've if you've got your side characters, like your side cast figured out, um, like early on in the book or whatever, you just bring one of them in again. Because what do they want? You know, they're characters too. They all want stuff too. So what do they want? It's probably something that doesn't align with what your main character wants, and so you just mash them together and gets you back on track. It works. I like it. It's 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 also like a fun. It's not something that I've heard. I've only heard it from you, but I think it really does work. And it's it's uh, it's a good technique for anyone listening if they're in that situation mm. and they want to try and spice up their writing, especially in the sludgy, gooey middle bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> and since the theme of this episode seems to be uh, you guys on your second books and sort mm-hmm. of how your writing has evolved um, since your, your debuts, uh, let's start with uh, Melissa. Um what is something that you wish you'd you now know that you wish you'd known when you were first writing Undying Tower? Uh, definitely how to plot, but also <laughs> <laughs> oh, you like plotting. Oh, I, didn't know. I love plotting. <laughs> how did you know a way to talk more about my one true love. Um, yes, I think I wish I had known how long things take, and I'm talking about both writing. And but to be honest, plotting and pantsing, as I say, I take a long time to plot as it is and like publishing generally. Mm-hmm. Like I think just how long everything takes. Everything takes so much longer than you think it will. Um, <laughs> even just selling a book, even if you write the best book in the world and got an, and sent it out tomorrow, it would be weeks before you got an agent. Even if you sold it really fast, it would be several days before you got a publisher. And even then it would be at least a year until it came out. Yeah. And then there's actually getting the thing written and then knowing obviously that once you've got something written, it's like Naomi was saying about um, every line of you and it taking a couple of years to like get exactly right and find an agent and blah, blah, blah. And in between that, you're like refining and refining. And then of course mm-hmm. you're in the cycle of, well, you want something coming out the following year, the following year, or even if it's the following two years, yeah. um, you're still, you're still on that treadmill and you're having to do like at the minute, cause it's seven months until the, uh, my love life comes out we're looking at, you know, doing all this promo stuff and I'm still doing copy edits for that, but I'm still having to pitch something else and think about maybe writing a sample of something else. So Mm. yeah, it's um, enjoying the time before you're on the treadmill and then realizing how slow some bits are, but how fast other bits are when you have a load on your plate. So yeah, time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's all to do with time. Yeah. And never have enough time. Because you always need to be thinking and the publishers will always have you thinking about the next book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. They're trying to get them out as quick as possible. It's funny that you just call it my love life. 
sounds like you're <laughs> releasing memoirs or something. What did I just say about Saving Time, Jenny? What did I just say about Saving Time? It's a very long title. <laughs> My love life comes out soon. <laughs> you can read all about it. <laughs> um, so same same question to you, Naomi. What what's something that you wish you'd known back when you were writing every line of you? Um so I am somebody who <laughs> funnily enough likes to be in control uh, of things which is quite amusing <laughs> being a discovery writer Do you? Um, so so when um it came to publishing I was like because there's a lot that you can't control um you know mm. you you can't control people buying it you can't control um word of mouth you know you can't control sales things like mm. that um so I looked very heavily at what I could control and I went um like headfirst into social media and things like that and I exhausted myself actually I was mm. um really really pushing um and and like people talk about um like I was just screaming into the void like buy my book you know um just because it's yeah. like you feel like you're doing something you feel like you're helping yourself out you feel like you're trying to get your name out there and you just like you're trying to get people interested but actually you know, when you look at like successful people um, who draw a crowd, they're not standing on a soapbox trying to flog you something. They've probably mm. got like content, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, you know, gives back as opposed to trying to sell something. So um, that's probably what I've learned. It's just more that um, you can shout yourself blue in the face on social media, but it will not make sales come and you will probably exhaust yourself doing it. Um, and yeah, and just uh, as a control freak, um, it's hard to let go of that and hard to realize that. And this is probably very much a do as I say, not do as I do because I'm not coming out soon. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just, um, just try and let go of some things because you'll enjoy the ride a lot more. Yeah. And, um, people talk about it as being a roller coaster and, a lot of other authors are telling that they had a massive slump um, after their book came out and like you're on this massive high and then you're on this major low because like maybe you haven't got reviews maybe your figures aren't great you know things like that and it's just it can be really like um right like a, a dark time after your book comes out actually and what I've learned was that um just always have something to look forward to like go to a bookshop and sign something once a month or you know just meet up with other writers and mm. try and just get your head out of I don't know probably not a good thing to meet up with other writers trying to get your head out of writing <laughs> but like just just like generally spend time with people who get it who know what you're going through and yeah, um, yeah just fall yeah. back on your community that you've hopefully made whilst you're on your journey so yeah so I guess it's it, it's it's more about finding more finding meaningful ways to kind of be part of the community it, as opposed to just shouting into the void you know involve yeah. yourself in in different ways doing because because you both do lots of panels and things like that and Melissa you're mm -hmm. obviously working with um right mentor and it, yeah it's those kinds of extra things where it's not just you shouting at stuff it's you also giving back a bit you know helping out giving sharing your experience like on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> what a segue well, thanks so much, guys. It's it's always great having you both on, um, and Thank I'm you. and I'm really looking forward to both of your new books next year. Woo! Hooray. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs>
Appreciate Thank you. It. You are so welcome. And for anyone listening, um, you can check out both Melissa and Naomi's books, uh, The Undying Tower and Every Line of You right now. Uh, you can pre-order Game Over Girl and My Love Life and The Apocalypse. And to make sure that you don't miss out on any of their latest news or Naomi's shouting into the void, you can follow <laughs> Naomi on all socials at Naomi G writes. Uh, you can follow Melissa on most socials at Meliver, but on TikTok at Melissa Welliver. Uh, and to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again to both of you for coming on. It's been really fun chatting. And thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for hanging around until the end. If you're interested in starting your own podcast but aren't really sure what that looks like, I can't recommend Zencaster enough. It's so simple to host, record, and download your podcast with, and it even has a built in transcription AI. It functions entirely in the internet browser, which means all your guests have to do is click on a link and they'll be brought into the conversation. If you click on the link in the description, you'll get 30% off the first three months. All you have to do is click on the link in the description. Thanks again for supporting the show and we'll see you in the next episode.